was insane. So it was me, Brian, Stevie Nicks, Joe Elliott, just all standing around this piano singing. And I think I was thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing here? I'm a girl from Norwich. How did this happen? <laughs> I don't think I would be able to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I had had a few drinks, so it was fine. So you were feeling it. I had You're some Dutch home. courage, yeah. <laughs> Brian, Stevie, so good to see you. <laughs> Hey guys, that was Kylie Olson talking about the time she hung out with Brian May of Queen, Joe Elliott of Def Leppard, and Stevie Nicks at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony after party. Hear the full story, including her awkward encounter with Stevie Nicks in part two of our interview. Plus, we geek out on the history of Laurel Canyon and the Sunset Strip. It's a lot of fun, so definitely take a listen. Any... um. Any, for lack of a better way to say it, any moments of disappointment where you were like, well, they're not who I expected them to be. (laughs) We can edit this out if you want. (laughs) This is more me nerding out. You know, most people have been really nice, you know, and Mm -hmm. they've, they've, you know, so I have been lucky in that sense, but then I'm only, you know, I'm not hanging out with them. I went to Vancouver for a week with one band and that was like, spinal tap I mean that was just so I was like seriously does this exist anymore this guy is seriously just ticking all these boxes on how you should be a rock star and it was like everything it was like you know guns drink strippers fights and I was like really really in this day and age (laughs) bring back the juices please yeah and this has been done Way too many times. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I got to admit, I did have the best week of my life, though. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. But the moment you said spinal tap, I'm like, not so yeah. <laughs> We were crying a lot, the crew. It was like crying with laughter at these moments. We were like, why have we not got the camera with us right now? And we were like, we wouldn't even be able to use it anyway. But still, oh, my God. Had you not experienced anything like that before, having been around as many musicians? Honestly, it's so few and far between these crazy moments. Literally, if you're backstage, it's all calm. It's running like a well-oiled machine. There's a juicer backstage. The most (laughs) tropical, crazy thing you're going to see is a mango. I mean, it's like, it's, it's not rock and roll like the 60s, no. It's not like the books that we read and we hear about all these stories because it is a business now. And I think back then it wasn't a business. It was all starting out. It was new. Um, I mean, God knows what's going to happen after all this, you know, the pandemic and stuff because I think music industry touring anyway will be a different space to to what it was. 100%. Maybe we'll go back to the 60s and 70s. <laughs> You know, I, part of me wouldn't mind it, you know, because yeah. I think it, it was a very interesting time back then, because especially in the 60s, it was kind of like martial law, Wild West. Yeah. It was really starting to become a business. And then by the the 70s, I think it had become a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. But the debauchery was there tenfold, yeah. you know, so you had rock stars behaving badly all over the place but they were also these money generators and you had people out there like, you know, Clyde Davis and um, David yeah. Giffen, you know, really finding a way to monetize these crazy personalities. Yeah. Well, and I also think 
and you know, time just happens and things change, but mm. back in those decades, there was more of a community. These yeah. bands were all hanging out. They were all feeding off each other. They were sharing creative ideas. They were collaborating maybe more so than we see now, you know, but everything's so yeah. saturated now as it is. It's, it's true. I mean, you're, you know, you're in LA and you have, you know, you think about that whole Laurel Canyon scene, mm-hmm. you know, everything that was going on there and, and the whole, like you talk about community, they were all just hanging out with each other and like that. It's got to be so good for your creativity to just team up with someone else. There's that picture of um, Henry Diltz that we've got um, uh, Eric Clapton sitting there looking at Joni Mitchell and, um, What's his name? David Crosby. David Crosby at Mama Cass's house. Yes, exactly. And and you just see the intensity in Clapton's face, just looking at Joni going, wow, because she had a different way of playing her guitar. I think she tuned it differently. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, just that. You think to yourself, oh, those people would never have normally met. But because this whole Laurel Canyon thing, and I think Mama Cass was the one that was responsible for kind of, a lot of people going to her house and hanging out. Mm-hmm. It was she a bit really of a was. Yeah. Yeah. She really was like the den mother there. And I think yeah. she facilitated a lot of great meetings and, you know, I mean, I think it's still, the jury's still out as to whether or not I think um, Crosby, Stills and Nash kind of formed under her, you know, uh, some of her social exploits. Yeah. Um, but even going in that area now, um, and I had told you that, you know, up until recently, I lived right off the Sunset Strip. And I think the reason that I chose to live there um, was more because I had, and, I, and I've mentioned this in other um, episodes, I had such and have such a reverence for what transpired there, particularly, particularly in the 60s and 70s. I mean, there was just this musical renaissance and what had become this old kind of Hollywood mecca all of a sudden was kind of giving way to these coffee houses and this beatnik scene. And, and it was a great place for young musicians to go and experiment. They could do a lot more of that there, um, you know, as opposed to say uh, New York. Yeah. There was a different scene. It was the more kind of singer songwriter folky thing. And then, you know, obviously it came to LA, but um, just being there and knowing what happened I absolutely love it. 60s, 70s, 80s, you know? And what a lot of people don't know, I think, too, is that the Sunset Strip, that whole like 1.7 miles Mm -hmm. for a very long time, and I want to say, and don't quote me, up until the 80s, it was outside of police jurisdiction. Yes, it was. Yeah. Which is also why it was kind of the hotspot for gambling and casinos, um, brothels, um, any any kind of illegal activity could happen there much more freely. Yeah. So I think it kind of became this um, mm, kind of taboo area of Los Angeles where a lot was happening, but a lot of exciting things were happening too. Yeah. You know? No, I know. I remember that reading that not that long ago about it being outside of the jurisdiction. So they could just, you know, you could have more fun there, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like the do not go, but I mean, you're in London. Did you grow up in London? No, I didn't. Um, 
But, well, I was born in London and then we moved to a place called Norwich, which is about two hours out because my parents didn't want to bring me up in Norwich, in London, because they, you know. Um, but as soon as I was old enough, I moved back to London. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, if you love classic rock, if you love rock and roll in general, just being in that city, uh, there's just so much to see and so many historic places. And I don't know. Yeah, That's where I geek out. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because the grass is always greener because I, yes, London is fantastic for that. And of course, you know, we have the whole 60s with Carnaby Street and the Beatles and and Hendrix coming to London and us embracing him and et cetera, et cetera. And, um, but then whenever I come to America, I am just like in my element. Like I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2019 when Def Leppard were inducted And I just was just, this is it. I'm at one of these events in America. Like, (laughs) I sound like such a geek now. I'm in America. Um, But it was brilliant. Like, that was a pinch me moment because it was just the people that were there. It's funny because we're all Brits, of course, because Def Leppard were being inducted and Mm -hmm. Brian May was doing it. But I went to the after party. They invited me. But it was only 30 of us there. So it was was super intimate and you know I was chatting to Brian and and then uh Joe's wife came over and was like you've got to come over to the piano and sing and Brian was like well I'm not going on my own because I've got a terrible voice you're coming with me and he grabbed me and we went to the piano and Stevie Nicks is there along with Joe Elliott um it was just the pe- who else was there? It was um, what's his name? Wicked Game. Uh, oh, Chris Isaac. Chris Isaacs was there with his dog Rodney. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was just holding Rodney the whole time. But it was insane. So it was me, Brian, Stevie Nicks, Joe Elliott, just all standing around this piano singing. And I think I was thinking to myself, "What the hell am I doing here? I'm a girl from Norwich. How did this happen?" <laughs> I don't think I would be able to breathe. <laughs> I'd had a few drinks. That so was fine. So you were feeling it. I had You're some Dutch out. courage. Yeah. Brian, Stevie, so good to see you. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, then actually that was when I was a complete Wally, like the biggest Wally ever. Stevie Nicks, I absolutely adore. And oh, my sister is named after Stevie Nicks, by the way. And I told her, and I, and I, but I didn't have any, anything else to say. And I was like, what the hell? My sister, it's just like one of those moments. Hi, Stevie, my sister's named after you. And then that was kind of it. I did, I was just like, what am I saying? Just shut up and, and go away and try and talk about something normal. And she was like, oh, is she called Stephanie? Or I was no, she's just called Stevie after you. And, and then I couldn't think of anything else to say. The journalist couldn't think of anything else to say. <laughs> Put a camera on me and I would have been fine. But I was just... Yeah, I was just like, you Wally. I was such a Wally. But anyway, that was, so that was my only conversation with her that night, was my sister's named after you. But at least you said something kind of cool. Yeah, She must have been flattered. Yeah, she was just, she's just super cool, actually. She is really cool. And I was like, oh, my God. My one opportunity to just have a normal conversation with her, and I say that. But anyway, it was a fun night. That, to me, that is like, quintessential my rock moment Mm, and she is she is my favorite 
Oh God. Again, I, I kind of feel like sometimes in these episodes, I just kind of put it out into the universe. Like, oh, it would be my ultimate joy to interview you, Stevie. So if you hear this, you know, call me. <laughs> oh, well, it's getting, getting late over there, I know. So I want to ask you a couple last questions, which mm-hmm. are the easy, they're simple questions, but they're very hard to answer, okay. right? Yeah. Well, actually, let's start with an easy one. First concert. I See, this is where I'm meant to say something cool, but I really don't have a cool one, I'm afraid. It's, it's Backstreet okay. Boys. You can end this interview now. <laughs> you are not I was the first, but I was really young and I didn't know any better. But when I did know better, then I went to see David Bowie. Well, and I was going to say, in our defense, a lot of the artists that we love now weren't necessarily always touring. You know? Exactly. All right. So you went and saw the Backstreet Boys, good experience. And then you, of course, corrected and went and saw Bowie. For yeah. <laughs> I redeemed myself when I was about, I think I was about 19. I went to see Bowie and I was like, oh, okay. Yes. This is what real music's meant to be like. Oh gosh. Did he play all his hits, all his favorites? Yeah, it was fantastic. You know, that, and, and I mean, it was a bit, it was at Wembley. So it was the big oh. show. Um, and yeah, that was that was a moment where I was like, yeah, this is for me. And then um, a friend of mine, because he was he 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 was at MTV for years, and and then he went over to Live Nation. So we oh, we went to some fantastic shows, and we went I think to see the Stones for like three nights in a row after that as well. And I remember seeing Mick Jagger for the first time and thinking that is the skinniest man I think I've ever seen in my life. Like he turned to the side and he completely disappeared. But you get it when you see him running around on the stage like that every night. I mean, he's incredible. And even now, you know, I went to see them whenever it was, like last year, I think it was. Um, Not last year, the year before, 2019. And, um, you know, he's crazy how he jumps around like that. I know. He is. And you know, it's so funny. The last time I saw them was a few years ago at the Staples Center. And my boyfriend and I were stuck in traffic trying to get in because, you know, everything just kind of gridlocked. Yeah. And right behind us is this Bentley. Okay. So my boyfriend had connections at the Staples Center. So we were going into like a kind of a VIP entrance. Yeah. And there's this Bentley behind us. I'm pretty sure it was a Bentley, if I remember correctly. And he looks at me and he goes, Mick Jagger's behind us. And I'm like, shut up, you know? And there was this blonde driving, this young blonde driving. And then he disappeared and went into another area. And I'm like, that guy, that guy. To me, she looked like she was 20, but you know, she probably was, you know, I'm sure a lot older, but I thought, oh. Did she have the, did she have the driver's outfit on as well? I bet she did. A little bit. Yeah, kinky yeah. <laughs> I couldn't that believe show it. that I went to last year, because my friend works with Mick, and so he sorted me out a pass for the whole tour. And um, he was like, right, I'm sending you a driver, but I need you to do me a favor. There's a, there's a bag that I need you to pick up. And I said, okay. And he said, just bring it to the venue. So I, I got in the car with this bag, and it was just like a little like shopping bag, you know, from a department store. And I was like, what is in this bag? And I could see, and I said, I said to him, what's, what's in the bag? And he said, oh, it's just a t-shirt for Mick. 
And I was like, oh my God, I've got to look in the bag. I need to see what that t-shirt is. So I looked in the bag and it was just a size small Calvin Klein white t-shirt. There we go. Because I was with a friend and we were like, what size is it? What size is it? (laughs) Small. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I did look in Mick Jagger's bag, which I probably should invest here. (laughs) No, I think that's awesome. And I think every single person would have as well. Yeah. All right. Top five bands. Okay. That is a hard one. I know it is. I know it is. And look, I know that there's some room for error. And I know that you're also going to wake up at three in the morning and go, ah, I shouldn't have said that (laughs) band. I didn't. I know I'm going to do that with guitarists. I always do. Um, So, okay. Led Zeppelin, of course. Amazing band. Um, You know, I never forget the first time I, I heard whole lot of love and I know I know that's an obvious choice because you know it's one of it's one of their most popular songs but that song is still so good no matter how many times you hear it you hear something new every time you hear it it's dangerous it's scary (laughs) I mean I remember the first time I heard it I was like that is scary I'm not sure that's right but I like it I kind of like it especially when it has that little middle eight thing and it changes and and it goes off on this kind of crazy tangent thing mm-hmm. and then it comes back with Bonham's drums it's like boom boom dun, dun, dun. It's like, yeah oh, yes. every time no matter how many masters at that mm-hmm. like giving it time to breathe mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that's a great way to say it giving it time to breathe uh-huh. yeah and so Zeppelin for sure um Guns and Roses all right 100% you know slash those videos the music videos I mean that was an era of when you know they spent money on music videos yeah you never forget any of those guns I bet you could name every single scene that happened in every single Guns and Roses music video I mean oh. you know November rain it's like watching it, a movie out of the church and oh. he's playing the guitar it's like it's epic uh-huh. So that, you know, that Guns N' Roses for sure. Um, Pink Floyd, probably. They were one of the first bands that I got into when I was around sort of 15, 16, that I really started to kind of hang, you know, when you're you you're breaking away from your family a little bit and you're hanging out with all your friends and you're finding out your own way in life. And Pink Floyd, that was that was the band that I was listening to a lot for sure. <laughs> um, how many have I known? And I've probably got so Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. Eddie Vedder. I mean, Jesus, that man is something else. Oh, I know. I, know. I think I I probably still watch MTV Unplugged on YouTube at least once a week. I never get bored of it. No, it just watching him and how he delivers that you know black mm-hmm. it's like it's just it's just something else yeah it's not it's not human almost you know it's just yeah he's just such a front man he's incredible and I think if I have one more I'd probably say the stones those are solid those are that's a solid lineup yeah <laughs> I would like to see all of those at a festival any day yeah, no kidding. That was so much fun. It was Eileen. so good to be on. Thank you for having me. It was great to chat. It's really oh. weird. It's like 
the hunter being hunted. <laughs> Me asking it. you questions yeah. for a change. <laughs> well, great job. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to check out Kylie's YouTube show, Life in Six Strings, as well as the playlist for this interview. Kylie curated it herself, and you can find it in the show notes. Next week, we'll have another edition of Memorable Rock Moments. So we're going to talk about Mick Jagger and Anita Pallenberg's taboo movie performance. You guys remember that one? And how it was the inspiration for one of the Stones' greatest hits. And we're also going to talk about Fleetwood Mac's rumors. And yes, we all know the drama surrounding that album and that band. But I might have the backstory to some of the songs that you haven't heard before. That's all next week. So we'll see you then. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.